You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm delighted to be joined on this edition by a very special guest. He's one of the most recognised YouTubers when it comes to the Arsenal world. Uh, welcome to the programme, Mr. Deluded Guna. How are you, sir? I'm, I appreciate that, man. I mean, I don't know what to say after an intro like that, man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate your kind words. appreciate you for inviting me on. appreciate you for being on my channel last time as well. So, yeah, man, I'm here to... Ha I'm happy to talk with you because obviously we always talk Arsenal and it's always a good chat. And I'm sure there's a bag of things to speak about since we last... Since I was last to your channel. So, yeah, man, keen to get into it. <laughs> Looking for... you on mute, bro. Yeah, here we go. My mic. For some reason, I've got this adapter. That I plug my mic into and every now and again, it seems to drop off as if my mic's not plugged in. It drives me mad. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to sort it and I never do. So it's my bad, really. Uh, but let's get into it. Um, international break feels a little bit dead at the moment. And, you know, as a, a fellow content creator, I'm sure you're kind of feeling it a little bit as well. You're kind of waking up in the morning and you're looking for stuff to talk about. And you're trying to kind of find that balance between talking about stuff that you feel is interesting and also not getting sucked into stories that you know are probably nonsense it's it's tough isn't it really tough time for us um Fair i wanted to start off by getting your thoughts first of all on on what happened at brighton at the weekend we've had a couple of days now few days in fact to process that performance it wasn't a very good performance i think we can all agree on that arsenal certainly weren't at the races but i have tried to look at this really positively because for me it's 10 points from the last 12 available, which signifies some improvement, signifies some progress. I think it's a realistic return in terms of what we could expect this team to produce, given how up and down we've been over the last 18 months or so. Looking back on the Brighton game, are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you content with the return overall? And are you, you know, I guess, or, or is it what you expected, I guess, is, is the question I want to ask. I mean, you kind of touched on it there and everything you said in relation to all the emotions, sorry, I feel a bit of everything. I feel typically where Arsenal's concerned, you can't, it's not, it's, it's very rarely black or white. And I think that Brighton game isn't. Now, of course, I think we're, you know, there was elements where we were second best. We weren't at the races, as you said, you know, we weren't winning our first and second balls. We were just completely dominated. There is that. But on the other hand, I do think we need to rein it in a bit. As you said, 10 points from a potential 12 is, is, is good from where Arsenal were. I think it was a bit of a reality check I would say for Arsenal fans because we're not going to win every game we're not perfect we have we still have a young and very naive side and not everyone's going to be at it every day I think it got to show in that game that you know while I like the stability that Arteta's introduced playing the 4-2-3-1 or slight variations of it there potentially could be games where we might have to tweak the formation or personnel and we're still not quite there yet so I do think you know in 
in a couple of seasons that's gone by, we lose a game like that. Considering we played a very informed side, we could have done a lot better. We should have done a lot better. But as that Sir Alex Ferguson used to say, if you can't win, don't lose. And we didn't lose against an informed side that are extremely more street smart than us. And that was the one vibe that for me, I couldn't get out, get out of when we're looking at Brighton. It's like for ability, you know, very few of them Brighton players probably match up with us, but they've been around the block. If they haven't been playing in the top division, they've dealt with promotions and whatnot. And our boys are, are young and naive. We can talk about the young captains we've got in our team or leadership qualities, but there's a lot that they don't know. And actually Arteta, so as you said, man, 10 points from a potential 12, I'll take it. But yeah, I think we could have applied ourselves a bit better. I do think the formation didn't really help us. And yeah, man, we saw, we saw a lack of street smartness, but I'll take it. There's still a building block, really. Yeah, and I guess the biggest encouragement was the defensive performance, wasn't it? In yeah, the sense yeah. of how resolute we looked in that particular area of the pitch. And that's something you couldn't say of Arsenal teams in years gone by. When you look at, you know, Mikel Arteta's tenure overall, I think the the, the overriding positive would be that he's made us a better defensive unit. And now he's got a, a totally new back line that it fits into his vision. And I think that, you know, you can take encouragement from the fact that he's got that right. And now maybe further down the line, you're going to hope that he gets it just as right in other areas of the pitch so we can move yeah. forward. But I guess for me, the other thing I wanted to kind of pick your brains on before we move on to chat about a couple of today's stories is as fans, do we sometimes, are, are we guilty of completely dismissing how good sometimes our opponents were because yep. football is, is one of those sports where, you know, obviously you're going to focus on your team. Obviously you expect your team to perform to a certain level, but sometimes I feel like as fans, we, we have an inability to just say they were better than us on the day. They were better than us. And, and that can happen, can't it? I mean, you said it there and that's where what I was alluding to about two truths can live in the same realm in that, listen, we can dissect the game, say we could have, would have, should have, should have, would have, could have done better, but they were better than us. And there's a, there's a lot of times where there's going to be a golfing class or teams are going to be better than us. As you know, as Arsenal fans, you know, as frustrated Arsenal fans for a number of years, there's never going to be that patience that, you know, looking at things from a, from another perspective, but a hundred percent, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up, whether the team is winning the Premier League or they've been promoted and saying they were the better men, because that's the funny thing about football and definitely in the Premier League, anyone can beat anyone. I wouldn't directly correlate that necessarily to the Brighton game as good as they were, but in general, 100%, Harry. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, let's come on to talk about some of today's stories. Of course, it's the international break, as we mentioned earlier on, and it does feel like a lot of the stories that are coming out now do need to be taken with a pinch of salt, but they are worth discussing. And I wanted to start off uh, with the report regarding uh, William Saliba, who, of course, is currently on loan at Marseille. A lot was made about how he was treated at Arsenal, the fact that he wasn't registered uh, last season and that this season he was deemed surplus to requirements or not part of the plans and moved on to Marseille. Uh, Georges Sampaoli, the Marseille manager, had been quoted as saying he wasn't sure about Saliba, that he was someone that you know, he he liked but felt that he probably could have got someone a little bit more experienced in. And when I was listening to that, I was thinking, well, if the manager who is signing him is unsure, then it's not so outrageous that Mikel Arteta is unsure about him. But he is doing well. He is performing. And Fabrizio Romano came out yesterday and said that a discussion has taken place between Saliba and Arsenal in the last few weeks where they've assured him he is part of the plans next season, that they trust him 100%, I think is the quote he used. Um, 
this could turn out, despite all the criticism that Arsenal faced, to be a very good loan move for William Saliba, couldn't it? If he does come back 100%. and slots back into the squad. Are you excited still to see what he can bring to Arsenal when eventually he does return? I'm, of course I'm excited, Harry, because obviously I think in hindsight, where if the club were going to do what they were going to do with Saliba, they shouldn't have, you know, you know when he signed, there was a big circus around, he's on the private jet, they showed him in an Arsenal kit as a little kid, described as potentially being a centre-half for a decade by Raul, um, Raul Sanieli. So I don't think them things helped because obviously potential is a buzzword in football. Obviously when you when someone's described by some people in France as the Mbappe of centre-halves, you're going to say, hold on, why can't you play for Arsenal? I do think it Again, you know, much like anything with Arsenal, I think it's not white and black. I feel what Arsenal are guilty of is, as a fan, there's never been really a lack of, it looks like there's been a lack of clarity over how we're developing him. And we're just, you know, you see you see him for half a season just wasting away. You know, when we find out little things like we wanted him to go on loan to an English club, he, he, pro, he, he wanted Marseille, then that helps us. But I think that's what Arsenal are guilty of. I think fans need to keep some perspective. I'm sure you're watching Saliba as much as you can, as I am. There's been some quality games for him since he's been away from the club. And there's also been a, a couple of clangers in his last two games and the man's 20 you know you've seen it everybody was billing Saka and Smith Rowe to be the next this that and the other the minute the form looked a bit shaky oh the 10 the 10 and 7 were given to them too quickly so I do I do think that fans need to calm it down I think they need to keep perspective I do think fans just need to watch him there's a lot of qualities and I'm not gonna lie in general, when we've done some of the partnerships or played some of our more experienced players that make the same mistakes I haven't always understood why Saliba can't play really um but he's still naive, extremely naive. He's going to learn a lot of lessons. He's, he's going to be 20, 21 when he returns. So, of course, I'm excited, but fans need to keep perspective. For me, a more confident one with more games under his belt to go with a Ben White and, and Gabriel, that's fantastic. That's 110 million on centre-halves. That probably, with respect to Ben White, I don't know if you're going to make your 50 mil, but there is a resale value. The one thing I would say for me is just actually by watching Ben White, I do think he's ahead of Saliba, but I don't think he's as quiet as ahead as I thought he was in terms of his speed the 40s footballing IQ and things and every time I watch Ben White I, I find myself looking back at Saliba and saying okay cool the manager can say what he wants um, and I'm not against him going out on loan but it's like I look at Ben White and you're naive so how naive could Saliba could be you know I don't really see justifying the 50 million price tag on Ben White so I find myself asking how much it does is he not prepared to throw in Saliba currently but I do understand it you know really I don't think there's a simple answer for it but yeah man your first question was was I excited of course I'm excited to see Saliba man like it's got potential and we're a young squad with all of that he's spoken of being a leader you see I'm sure you see all the videos that come up 100% excited bro 100% the thing is as well though when we talk about you know like you mentioned that Ben White can be a little bit naive in his play sometimes and, and I completely agree with you and I said it at the time where we signed him while I was positive about it and I was delighted that Arsenal were kind of making big moves in terms of going out and, and breaking the bank and bringing in players, more importantly, that would be part of the furniture for many, many years to come. I think I think for me with the Saliba thing, the, the issue around him and, and maybe a lack of maturity at times, I'm not sure if it's to do with him as a footballer or him as a man, because I think that, that well. those are two very different things. And I think that Mikel Arteta is probably better placed than any, or is definitely better placed than any of us as fans and onlookers to be able to say that, you know, we haven't worked with him. We haven't trained with him. We haven't had conversations with him. And he can kind of paint this picture of himself on social media as the kind of victim of, of Mikel Arteta being extra fussy or extra particular mm. about certain things. But I think sometimes 
as onlookers, we just like when we have to take into consideration, as I was saying before, how good an opponent is. Sometimes as onlookers, we have to understand that we don't see the bigger picture, don't you think? Yeah, like you said there, there's a truth, you know, that's what fans fail to understand, that you can have your opinion, but there's a truth very different. And much like any footballing debate, very rarely can fans say that. And I find the way I look at Saliba is almost how I look at Guendouzi. I know guendozi has gone and I don't really want to speak about him, but it's almost like for every example of immaturity, less so Saliba, but for every example of immaturity, you see actual great examples of being mature, like the other week with Guendouzi. One minute he's fighting his teammates, then he's captaining them and he's being called up by France. And I do think there's a lot of growing up Saliba needs to do probably on the field and off it because there was a bit of social media antics I don't want to read too much into it because it might be something of nothing but I do think that and I mean we'd all be guilty if I if I just consider another perspective if I'm in my early 20s I've, I've been an Arsenal fan I've completed a big move to Arsenal I'm living in London now everybody's blowing smoke up my bum as well saying I'm this that and the third I might I might drop off I might be a bit complacent I might be a bit naive these are things that doesn't necessarily mean you have a bad attitude. It's just complacency. So I think you made a solid point with Arteta because he does seem like a bit of a a bit of a stickler for discipline and things like that. So probably there is some truth in that, really. Yeah, there's got to be more to it than just footballing ability, especially when you watch, you know, Pablo Marie come into the side at times and I'm look saying. like a <laughs> like a duck out of water. And you look at, you know, other players like I don't know, you know, Rob Holding at times has been poor as well, or the decision to play Sarah Kolasinac as a centre-back and things like that, you do start to wonder then, is it just about ability or is there more to this? And there probably is. And just because we don't know there is, doesn't mean we can completely dismiss it. So exactly. I think you've always got to approach these subjects with a bit of caution, haven't you? Um, we're talking a lot about the future and we're talking about players that, you know, will hopefully come good and will be part of this team for many, many years to come. That requires patience, though. And it's a patience that I'm not sure this fan base in general has. Mm -hmm. um, where are you in terms of your willingness to give Arsenal time? And if so, if you are willing to give them time, how long do you think it has to be? Or, or how long can you afford to the club before we have to see significant results? And by that, I mean, getting back in the Champions League, competing for the Cups, etc., etc., What's your kind of timeline on all of this? Because it's very easy to say, I'll give him time. But there must be a cutoff for everybody. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to sound a bit hypocritical, but I actually think there's no time. I think my cutoff point is gone. I think from last November, nobody's really got time, really, and everybody's on, you know, on thin ice. So I think I need to see stuff. I mean, typically they say three to four years, and looking at our team, they're going to probably reach maturity, assuming everything happens. For me, my patience is, as I always say on my YouTube channel, better yet, Rome was built in a day, but I need to see scaffolding. If you're showing me scaffolding, put up, builders are coming in and things, you can have all the patience because I'm seeing a process. I'm seeing a build being created it's, it's it's if we now start to go go left and i'm asking okay ramsdale's had a purple patch when he goes through that negative patch are we pulling him out or you know tomiyasu against brighton we saw a bit of weaknesses are we going to polish them it's if we start to do what we typically see whether it's Frio, oxley chamberlain many of these youngsters where we're going in season in season out certain players five games they're amazing five games they're, they're trash other players one minute they're a center mid they're a winger so i would say i don't i mean a cycle i give it three three to like three slash four years assuming all the variables are in place and Arteta improves everything I mean 
fans are never going to give patience, man, because again, they can say they're trusting the process, they're this, that and the other. Every time Arsenal are not in Europe, for me, it is a failure and we need to go back in. Obviously, as a fan, you know, you're meant to just look in-house, but we always look at what other clubs are doing and what things are doing. So I don't think there is ever patience in football. Like you see, you know, you need to buy patience. You get, you know, as you said, 10 points from 12. I won't say everybody's off your back end. We're all united necessarily, but you've kind of got, quote unquote, some pressure off you. So, I'd say for me, I'll give it three. I'll give it Arsenal in general three years. Mikel Arteta, you need to show me something by the end of this season, whether that's, you know, a real system improving in terms of an attacking sense, just damn right evolution or just qualify for Europe. Because again, if there's no improvements, we finish eighth. What are we trying to do here? As much as, as you said, it's for tomorrow. Tomorrow it's what we do today, especially with our experienced players. What we do with probably Partey, Aubameyang, etc. That sets up the Sackers and Smith roles. That's why I get a bit more annoyed when last season, maybe not so much this, but last year, one minute Aubameyang's in, then he's out, then he's left, then he's right. The imbalance with Lacazette, you know, not really doing right by Partey. Again, persisting potentially with Granit Xhaka and, and, and whatnot. So I would, I would say that, to be fair, man, but you buy, you, you buy time in it, really and truly. Yeah, you, you kind of, you only earn time if you keep chucking crumbs to those that are following you. Exactly. Uh, to keep them kind of appeased that while they're on this long road. Without that, it's a bit like, you know, you're kind of leading them down a blind path and there's going to come a point where people are going to say, well, I'm not following anymore. And, and I agree with yeah. you. I think for the overall project at Arsenal, I think we have to accept that given the level of player turnover, the amount of players we had to get out and therefore bring people in, I think you have to look at a three, four year project. But I, I agree with you when it comes to Mikel Arteta this season now, it is make or break. I I gave him a lot more leeway than most last season Same. because I felt like although it was his second season in charge, it was only his first full season, right? It was only the first season where he had the, the whole kind of season to get in what he wanted to do to implement what he wanted to implement but also he didn't get a proper preseason, and there were a lot of other factors that made it a lot more difficult now he's had the preseason. now he's been backed in the transfer market whether you think it's enough or not is another matter but he's been Thanks. back um and, and we're now in a place where he has to deliver and i think anything other than getting arsenal back into europe this season is is a major failure and and he probably should walk if he doesn't manage that but I might sound like a bit of a snob here. I'm not talking about Europa Conference. I want to be in the Europa League at minimum. Um, if we get in the Europa League and we were within a respectable distance of the Champions League places, I can take that and we can move forward with it. But, that you know, this is still Arsenal Football Club. And as much as you, you, you hit the nail on the head, it's all for tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. But there's a minimum standard that needs to be upheld here. And if we were to finish eighth again, seventh or, or somewhere around there, that, that doesn't really do it for me. I think top six is a must. I, I really do. Um, 100%. Like when I look at what you said, it's like, obviously, when you look at the, you know, there's probably four clubs, what United, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, write them off. So top four is probably unrealistic. But for me, yeah. I want to fight for it because as crap as Arsenal were, you had to try really hard not to get top four last season and the season before that, even on the Emre season. So for me, I just want to see fight, man. I just want to see that you're running it all the way. I don't want to look in December and say we're out of Europe. As you said, I don't, I don't really want to say... I want Europa League, but as you said, realistically, that is our Champions League now and you need to get Europe. We're out of it. We're failing financially because of it. So, facts, man. Conference League, I mean, if we're in it, we're in it. But, I mean, if we're looking at that as a, as a target, then 
we're really poor. But this is what I meant. This is what I mean when I asked you on my channel. It's like, what is Arsenal's goals internally then? Because as we look at it, you probably, unless a miracle happens, you know you're not getting top four. It's a top six. And those teams outside the teams I said, they're probably, you know, over a 38-game period, probably reckon they finish above us. So that's what I meant when I was trying to ask you. So then internally, if you know all of this, what is our real goals for this season with this squad that is 23 years of age on average? And again, you saw the naiveties in that Brighton game, let alone the 38-game period. So it really, you know, the more I get asked questions like that and you ask it to me, it's like, it's the direction of the club. I don't really know where we're going. And that's something I would really like answered beyond the slogans and the process and all these things. And Arsenal fans also have to realise, like all football fans do, that the objectives that we as fans feel are appropriate and set for our football clubs don't always mirror those set by the football club themselves. Right. And you have to accept that and understand that. And when you're sitting there going, well, we finished eighth. Why hasn't he been sacked? Well, it makes you think that the, the, the objective set by the club was never much more ambitious than that. In which case the actual root of the problem is probably somewhere else and probably higher up the line than Mikel Arteta. Right. Um, I think for me as well, just, just to wrap up on that kind of what we can achieve this season, I do think the top six is realistic. I do think it's something that we could achieve if we can put together just a little bit more consistency in terms of our level of performance that right. should translate into more consistency in terms of our results. I think um, in a lot of ways, obviously with the longer term aspiration, if we don't do it this season being to get back in the Champions League, I think the Europa League is a tough competition to win, but I think it kind of represents an easier route still than doing it via the Premier League. When you look at the strength of those four clubs that we've mentioned and the fact that Arsenal have been to two semi-finals, have been to a final in the Europa League, we always show that we're there or thereabouts in that competition. And you just feel if we could get that little bit extra to get over the line, it could get us back into the Champions League. It could be that push forward and give us that boost that we so desperately need to then re-establish ourselves as regular top four contenders. Right. Just wanted to get your thoughts on another story um, that's come out over the last sort of 24 hours. It was a report from the Mirror. And again, as we said right at the start of the show, take all this stuff with a pinch of salt, especially when it's from the Mirror, especially when it's from the Sun, with all due respect to those guys. Um, they, they're talking about Gabriel Martinelli. And the quote Oof. they use is... Uh, Anxious Arsenal star Gabriel Martinelli could force transfer exit over lack of playing time. Where are you on this whole Martinelli thing? Because last season, people were calling for him to start ahead of certain players, in particular, Willian. Mikel Arteta seemed really reluctant to do that. Gave him a little bit more game time at the back end of the campaign. But in the eyes of most, it still wasn't enough. Where are you on this Martinelli debate? And is it time for Martinelli to maybe start thinking uh, about his future if indeed he isn't part of the plans. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, as you said, the mirror, the mirror is probably making a story out of nothing or whoever it was, but I want Martinelli to be angry. You know, one thing I've, I thought with, with a couple of Arsenal youngsters is that they're too comfortable. I mean, if this is a guy that Ronaldinho's talking about, Brazil allegedly looking at calling up once upon a time, you know, he was a bit of a quote unquote to a degree talisman when we were poor, when he got his looking under Emre. I would want to play football really and truly. I would want to play. I want him to play. You know, he's a naive, to be honest, in a positive way, a naive teenager. He's 
seeing other teenagers and young men get opportunities. He's probably training well and things. I want him to be disheartened. I want him to be angry. I want him to chomp at the bit, really. And I know Arteta a few months ago kind of spoke about Arteta and Martinelli kind of has to learn to deal with disappointment. I can't understand why he's not playing on the William point. I think most people will agree those minutes could have went to seeing if Reese Nelson is good enough, throwing in Martinelli or even, you know, with the main man, Pepe. Um, I think everyone can concede he got it, he got it wrong there. I think things that harm Martinelli is, I do think a bit like when Pepe weren't getting a look in, I don't think you can throw a man in, expect him to perform if he's not been in it for four weeks or so. But at the same time, I think fans do gas it up a lot. I look at Southampton in the FA Cup, Aston Villa in the FA Cup, apologies. Or was it Southampton last season? One of them, he came in. Yeah. yeah, he was quite, he was, apologies, he was quite poor. I look at West Bromwich being through the middle. He struggled physically. These are things I expect. Um, I do think there's, I do think he needs to play more without a doubt. Don't know what Arteta is on, but I do think fans gas it up a lot. Don't think he's always taking his chance. And I think one thing that goes against him is, I think Arteta said it before, on that left-hand side, he's not really indirectly convinced with Tierney and Martinelli. And obviously, Smith-Rowe's emergence now. Odegaard can play out there. Bamian's out there. You've got the true wingers that can play there in Saka and Pepe. These are things that go against him. I would want to play football if I'm him, really and truly. Why wouldn't you want to play football realistically? So, again, that's what I want to hear. And if I'm him, if I'm Balogun, you know, I'm asking the manager honestly what I need to do, but I'm keeping one eye open to, to what things can happen in January. Now, I know there's AFCON and, and a couple of attacking players might leave and we don't know what's happening with Lacazette. January could be something. Opportunities can happen. But, yeah, man, I do think he needs to play. But when the opportunity comes, take it is all I'd say, Martinelli, if it comes. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it for me. And I think when I look back at last season, I think uh, there was a part of me that was sitting there going, I mean, I get it. Like, I get why you're reluctant to use him. But, you know, surely anything is better than what we're currently seeing. There were points last season where it was that bad, that drab, that dull, that you looked around and you went, surely Martinelli can give you something more, even if it's just a bit more energy, a bit more zip, a bit yeah. more intensity, et cetera, et cetera. But, there was an interview that Martinelli gave to ESPN Brazil, I think, at the end of last season, in which he really went into kind of his injury recovery. And he talked a lot about how, um, you know, it was agreed by him, by Mikel Arteta, by the medical team, that they were going to have to be very, very careful about how they managed his fitness over the course of the season to stop the risk of any, you know, potential reoccurrence. Because to get a couple of ligament injuries in your knee yeah, at that man. age could be, you know, it could kill your career. So there was a lot of caution That's there. Fear, man. That's it, exactly. You know, there was a lot of caution there. And so having read that and having heard that almost straight out of the horse's mouth, I kind of said to myself, well, okay, I'll give Mikel Arteta and the way the club managed him, you know, the benefit of the doubt based on last season. But I did think that this season he'd play a larger part. Now it's still early. And I think that given the likelihood of injuries and all the other stuff that can come up over the course of the season, he will get opportunities. But the ones he has had this season, albeit few and far between, I'm not sure he's taken them. I'm not sure he's taken them with both hands. He's shown a lot of energy, a lot of aggression. I, you know, I think back to the AFC Wimbledon game. I was at that game and I remember the, the pen, first... Yeah, he won the pen and, and in the first half an hour, I was watching it and going, you know what? He looks the most lively. He looks the most likely but it was a lot of buzz and a lot of energy, but not all that much coming off the back of it. So when you consider that Saka and Smith-Rowe are obviously at a level above him, Nicola Pepe still contributes 
um, hugely in terms of goals and assists, looking back at last season in comparison to those two young lads I've mentioned. And then, like you said, the fact that sometimes he's looked to shoehorn a Bamiang in there to get Lacazette in the team as well. It is going to be difficult for Martinelli. And at this point in his career, when those opportunities come along, no matter who they're against and no matter how few and far between they are, they need to be taken with both hands. And I don't think he's done that necessarily of late. Remember as well that there is no Europa League for Arsenal this season, which was kind of a prime breathing ground, wasn't it, for um, for people like Martinelli when he Thanks. first broke through. That was Thanks. where we all, he all caught our eye. League Cup, Europa League. And not being in the Europa League is, is a problem. And it's not just a problem for Martinelli, but it's a problem for whoever the second choice goalkeeper is. Because that's seven, eight games in the season that he's now not playing. Yeah. So there's a lot of players that are going to are going to struggle with this now. So I don't know. I, I still think he's got a lot of talent. I still think he's got a lot of ability and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do moving forward. But he needs to pick himself up a little bit as well in terms of his level. It can't just be Mikel Arteta is killing Gabriel Martinelli because when the opportunities are coming, I'm not convinced that he's he's taken them with both hands. Mm, and I mean, you're right on that, man. And like I said, yeah, he has to. He just has to take them. You know, Smith Rowe didn't look at, at, at a point levels, and he went on loan and came back. I don't think Martinelli needs to go on loan because I look at. I think he's got the mentality. I think he's with it. I look at City, Manchester City in the. I think it was the League Cup last season or the season before. In fact, it was last season because Renison was here. I just look at the way before the game how he's talking to his teammates. I look at that game against Chelsea. Against I, think Chelsea. I, think I think he's got a lot, man. He's got a lot to bring to the table. But as you said, you've got to take the chance. And to be honest honest with you as a footballer as much as I think I agree I'm actually more on Martinelli's side you've got to remember the manager's got to pick the best team in it it's, it's, it's not your feelings it's for the collective so give your manager a headache really and sometimes you just have to know it's not my time how many times have we seen footballers you know not be involved for our, look, look at Smith Rowe again he was for me in the in the same boat last season as Joe mm -hmm. Willock and Eddie at a point in that you might need to leave permanently you might need to go on loan but he got his opportunity and took it and in 10 months look what he's doing I do think people underestimate how how inexperienced Martinelli is. I don't know how many appearances he made at Otano, but I can't imagine it, it was too many. And it, it, it kind of praised him more. But it's like, you've got to remember these things catch up. He's still learning. There's still a lot of IQ. I'd say the one thing that concerns me is the fact that we're doing this young player thing and he ain't really scratched the surface. But narratives can change. We could be on your channel in a month from now and saying, what's going on with Martinelli? Like we did under Pepe last season or towards the end. So... Yeah, man, I'm convinced in Martinelli. But if I was him, I mean, logically, you want to play football. You can't afford to waste a year. If something's not happening in January and your manager's moving sideways, you know what you need to do, really. So hopefully it doesn't get to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a tough job, isn't it, for Mikel Arteta as well? Because there's almost this kind of, as a manager, I'm sure there will come points where you feel a responsibility to develop those players that you have working under you. But you also have the pressures that come with managing a top-level football club to deliver results. And sometimes Correct. those two worlds will collide and you'll have to make a decision. And if you feel that Smith Rowe, Saka, Pepe are all better options in terms of getting you results today, then you need to do what's right for the team. So it's a, it's a really difficult position for the manager to be in. But I think Martinelli, going back to the point I was saying about him, maybe not always taking those chances of late, he's actually making this a lot more comfortable for Mikel Arteta than it probably should be. And That's if he it. can... Great point. It, if he can up his level when he does get those opportunities, then all of a sudden Mikel's got a problem. And then we can sit there as a fan base or as journalists or as onlookers and go, 
well, you know, your team's not scoring goals. They're not delivering. They're not producing in the final third. Gabriel Martinelli, every time he gets an opportunity, is grabbing it with both hands. It's giving you a headache, yet you refuse to pick him. Now the spotlight and the focus is on you. But right now, I don't think it's fair to say it is all on Mikel Arteta because Martinelli hasn't been at that level, I don't think, anyway. And I know there will be people that disagree with that. Just for the last uh, few minutes or so, let's get some of your questions in the live chat box. Get your questions in uh, for Deluded and we'll we'll put them across to him. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button on the video. It really, really helps on the YouTube algorithm. I hate asking for it. I hate saying it, but it is one of those things that really does help. So please do smash the like button. And if you're new, give us a subscribe. If you listen to us via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review as well. That really, really does help. Uh, Right, let's get some of your questions in from the chat box then. Let's see uh, what we've got. Big hello to Nikomo, who says, wow, you, DG, and Harry together. How did I not know about this? Big up, you two. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you for uh, supporting the show, of course. Big hello to Christoph as well, one of our regular viewers. Uh, Here's one from Junior Gunner, who says, Martinelli's still very raw has an unorthodox dribbling style that makes him very easy to defend against. Being direct and showing a lot of energy doesn't warrant a starting position. So it's more of a statement than a question, but I think that's that's a quite a fair statement. Would you agree? I think it's spot on, especially when you live in England or you're an English fan. I've always said that I feel, well, don't get it twisted. I, I, I love Martinelli's energy, the pressing, it makes things happen. But sometimes it's over exuberance. It's just wasting energy. Sometimes it's ruining, ruining us tactically. Right now, Martinelli's probably just seen as a madness sort of player, maybe like Pepe, like they can come on, they're a bit different. He is very raw. You know, I look back at the game in the League Cup, I think, a couple of years ago against Liverpool. His over-enthusiasm led to him conceding a penalty. No one says that. He's right. And I think in England, that that running around for the sake of it, I'm not saying Martinelli does, it's, it's praised where if you have people, I'm not, they're probably not the best examples where you've got Martial who doesn't smile or Rosal, it's seen as they don't care where you look at a lot, a lot of other European cultures, they'll laugh at you for just running around like a madman. It's, it's silly really and truly. So he is unorthodox. He needs to improve his first touch. He is very raw. You know, he should be getting opportunities for me, but you know, people need to stop making out that Martinelli's a world-class player yet. He's got the potential. I do believe in that, but we need to keep some perspective and that's, that goes for him. That goes for Saliba. That actually goes for Balogun. That goes for half of these players. If I'm honest with you, you know, that's my biggest pet peeve in football these, these days is potential because a lot of these people, they don't really understand the word and realize the many variables if we want these players to be that tomorrow there's several things they've got to do today now I have no doubt about Martinelli he strikes me as someone that's very focused very drive driven you know he's got a strong mentality he's bounced back from his injury had a couple of those you know he's dealing with being on the bench on the you know he ain't throwing his toys out the pram so yeah he's he's right man you know energy showing energy doesn't warrant a starting position at times it can because it's very easy to get behind that especially when Arsenal you go back a few years ago or even a few months ago we was crying for that but yeah, man, the statement's facts. Yeah, and, and you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole now, I'm glad you said that as well, because that's a that's a theory that I've always had as well. You know, this is the, the one country where the footballing outlook is is very, very different. It's you know, magical. people, someone goes smashing into a bigger a big challenge, that will often generate a bigger roar from the crowd than a wonderful bit of skill. It's just a different way of looking at it. And you're right. Martinelli is a bit of a chaos player. And if you're a manager who's very big on systems and shape, which most modern coaches are nowadays, then there comes a point where those players in their kind of erratic 
way of playing the game can, you know, sometimes put you in jeopardy in that sense. And I think reading between the lines, that point about Martinelli being a bit chaotic probably ties into what Mikel Arteta had said previously, which you brought up earlier on around him and Kieran Tierney not necessarily working well, because if he's so unpredictable, then it can cause you problems going the other way as well. So yeah, interesting stuff. Um, Let's see uh, what else we've got. Um, Mr. George says, whose place does Martinelli take in the team? For me at the moment, nobody's, and that's why he's not in the team. But I've got this theory, um, Deluded, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it just quickly. I think that when you look at Martinelli's skill set, he is, I prefer to play him as a centre forward than as a left winger. Do you agree with that? Because the player himself doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's interesting. He doesn't feel that way. I think um, I'm, I agree with Mikel Arteta. He's kind of said he's, he should be able to play across those front three. And I think he should be able to excel on the right. I remember when he was getting more game time, he was playing on the right, weren't play, really playing well. And people are saying it's because he's on the right. You know, you still need to be able to affect the game. I think he's probably most comfortable on that left. And I do think he could have a career there. But I just see a bit of Luis Suarez, Alexis Sanchez through the middle with him. I just think he needs to improve a bit physically, offer something with his back to goal. Or when he's playing a physical... At, two physical centre-halves changing his game a bit. So, yeah, 100%. I think the man's a number nine in the future. In relation to whose place he takes, as you said, he doesn't take anyone's place really and truly at this moment in time. Personally, I mean, if it's off the Brighton game, you'd probably move Smith-Rowe inside and Odegaard comes off and he plays left wing. But he's just got to play the waiting game. I don't think he takes a single spot, really. I don't think, you know, if Aubameyang's getting dropped right now, I'm probably leaning towards Lacazette. If anything's to happen on that left wing, probably going to lead towards Pepe, probably getting an opportunity there just before him. But yeah, man, that's what that's how I'd answer. That's a great question for Mr. George, man. Bloody hell. Yeah, it is a good question. And just finally on that kind of Martinelli through the middle piece. I think one of the things we really saw from him when he first emerged onto the scene was this really unexpected ability in the air, which yeah. is something that we don't have in the centre forward position. And it feels like at a time like this, where we're constantly crying out for someone to get across the near post, to win a header in the, in the centre of the penalty box, he could be part of that solution. And especially with Lacazette's situation, if I were him, I'd be looking at it and going, I'm going to show you that I can do that role because with Laka going, with Enketia going, with Balogun, there's still being question marks about how ready he is for this level. Mm. There's an opportunity there. There really, really is. Really, there is. A spot. there's a spot there, like you said. I mean, clearly the club are looking for a striker because you saw the Martinez rumors and stuff. But like you said, you go and complicate things. You're an option through that middle. You're an option off that left. You know, you you become a linchpin again. You're you're a hundred percent correct, bro. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, let's take uh, one more question before we wrap it up, and we'll just take one uh, quickly. Uh, hold on. Let's see what we got. Um, X Raj Richard says, can we send both Martinelli and Balogun on loan if Enketia and Laka stay post-January? Do you think they both need loans, Martinelli and Balogun? I mean, I wouldn't say that I think Balogun needs a loan. I just think with Martinelli, if he's not going to play football, he needs to go and get it somewhere else because, again, there's no substitute for, for minutes. You know, minutes are currency in this day and age, you know, and I think Balogun should have been on loan last season. Obviously, his contract situation messed things up. So I think Balogun needs it because he ain't been exposed. What he's had Brentford, a couple of Dundalk games. I Personally, with respect to Dundalk, I discount that because I think our 23s probably give them a game. So he needs to go on loan. Martinelli's is a bit different. In relation to sending them both on loan 
I'm not sure I'd keep Martinelli. I think for me, Balogun, unless a miracle happens, Balogun's someone that's one of the first out the door in a temporary one in January. I think yep. Martinelli stays with me because you've got, I just remembered, you've got the AFCON, you've got a Bamian prop, potentially you've got Pepe leaving. He can cover both those roles. With with Mar with with Balogun, obviously the same could be said. But um, yeah, man, you'd still have Lacazette. You'd still have Lacazette. So I'd be prepared to stay with that, really. But that is an interesting theory. But for me, it wouldn't really convince me because, again, you're keep you're loaning out two players that are the future, whether I agree with it or not. And then you've got two players that, you know, are running down their deals. And even if they do sign new deals at this point, we're all going to look around and say, what's going on now then? You know, with Eddie, we could turn around and say, maybe there's a resale one. With Lacazette, we're saying, what's going on there? So again, I don't even know, bro. But yeah, man, probably is a possibility. Yep. Great stuff. Uh, Deluded, thank you so, so no, much, bro. mate, for joining me. And look, as I said right at the top of the show, Deluded is one of the most recognisable Arsenal YouTubers out there. That, he man. works incredibly hard. Every time I log on to YouTube, there is a, a live stream <laughs> going on. Uh, so I take my hat off to you. How can people uh, find your channel? They can click in the link in the title of this video. I've put it there so they can click on it and go straight there. But just tell people a little bit about what you do, how they can find you and uh, what you got coming up. Appreciate that. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I mean, you know, DG, Deluded Guna and whatnot. Like you said, you can click it on the on the YouTube video and, and subscribe to me. Like Harry, can't stop waffling about Arsenal, talking about <laughs> Arsenal and, and whatnot. And yeah, in relation to shows, um, I didn't do a show this morning. I probably will do one on, on YouTube at 11. Um, well, I might say 11, we're gone. I typically do them at 11.30, uh, probably do one in the afternoon. Uh, we'll be on Twitch later as well, um, doing a watch along in relation to the Nations League. So yeah, man, just Deluded Guna 04 on everything, really, man. Love for having me, H. No, thank you for, for coming on, mate. And uh, we'll definitely have a chat about doing some stuff more regularly as well. It's been great Need fun. To. It's been a great chat. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal-related content. We'll be back later on today, uh, continuing our player review series. We're going to be talking about what Aaron Ramsdale has brought to Arsenal on this afternoon's show. So make sure your notifications are turned on. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'll be back very soon with more. Until next time, ciao. Come on. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.